Ephesians 2.10 is where we're going to start today. If you want to turn there. And really, I just want to take this time today to wrap up um, this series for now. I mean, I feel like I feel like identity is everything. You could almost you could talk about almost everything is identity, really, isn't it? Our identity in God, really, it's everything. And so it feels kind of funny to close it up. I feel like we can just keep going, but we are going to close up this series today for now. And um, but you know uh, Ephesians two ten. Let's read this. Lord, we thank you for your help. We thank you for your spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you in Jesus' name. Amen. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Powerful. So just a little bit of a recap. We've been talking about our identity in Christ. We talked about that, that we're born again. So it's born identity. When, you're, when you come into Christ... I, when you look at the language of even this verse, it says we're created in Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? So you didn't ask Jesus into your life, right? We say that. We, I asked Jesus into my life. Well, Jesus didn't want to come into our life. He wanted us to come into his. And, and that's good news because, because if he just comes into my life, then he can help me with my brokenness. But if I come into his life, I'm a new creation. And I'm not broken anymore. I'm brand new. And, and so, and then there's something that happens. It's, it's the renewing of the mind, really. And this is the process of living out something that we call sanctification. Now, like many things in the kingdom, sanctification is an immediate work in the spirit, right? You were bought with precious blood, Peter says. <laughs> that was so good. Isn't that? I was just today during that surrender time. I'm just like, oh, I just love to remember, like, I don't belong to me, Jesus. I just I'm not my own. I don't belong to me. You did. You did purchase me. Isn't that good? And so but you're born again. You're born again. You came in to Christ. He came into you, but you came into him. And, and the Bible says that you're a new creation. That's what this is actually saying. That created in Christ. Not just like tolerated by Christ. Not that Christ said, you're a, you're a, oh, you're a sinner, but I'm just going to love you anyway and walk with you. You know, and then that's kind of old, uh, you know, that was theology that people lived with for some years. You know, that kind of this, this statement, almost a statement of faith. It says, every day I sin and fail God. And I'm just a broken sinner, but God loves me anyway. And, and it, it sounds really humble, but it's, it's not biblical. That's the only problem with that. It's, the, it's, it's, it's actually not truth. The truth is much better than that. The truth is, is that I was a sinner. And I was far from God. Way far from God. But it says that because of Christ, I was brought near. I'm near to God. And now I'm no longer a sinner I'm, I'm called a saint. I'm a saint. Better than that, and, and included in being a saint, I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm not a sinner who God deals with. I am a son that God celebrates. That's not a good word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we are in every place to God the fragrance of Christ. You know what I love about that verse? He's like, God says, you smell like my kids. How many have kids? I know if you don't have kids, that seems weird, 
But if you do have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's nothing like the smell of your own kids. You want to sniff their heads. You love the way your kids smell. You know what I'm talking about. I, I just, I can't help it. I got to smell my kids. And then, and, and, and then at some point, I got to rein it in when they're teenagers. Because it just, I know, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I can't, I still want to smell your head even though you're 16. I love you. And, um, you know, but, but we smell like his kids. We look like his kids. We look like, we look to the Father as good as Jesus looks to the Father. I know, it's, it almost sounds like, is that okay to say? It is, it is okay to say because God says it. And, and, um, and this is the beauty of the gospel. R.T. Kendall said, the, the time you heard the gospel and you thought, that's too good to be true, he said, that's the time you actually heard it. <laughs> It's a good word, isn't it? The gospel is so good that when you finally go, it seems too good to be true, because now you're starting to understand the gospel. Amen. And so we've been talking about, um, we've been talking about identity and, um, and that we were created. We're, and so part of identity, I'm doing a little recap, part of identity, uh, it, oh, well, let me say it this way, identity includes purpose. So, when you find out who you are, you begin to discover why you were created that way. And, and I'll say this about identity, is that when identity, secure identity, is something that has to be given to you. It has to be spoken into you. It has to be imparted to you. You have to be born. You can't do that for yourself. And the way God's designed it is that you need a family around you to echo and to point out who it is God has made you to be. God decides who you are. And our role as family, and especially as parents, is to look at the kids that God's given us and to say, and to say, you know what? This is what I like. This, this, this is who you are. This is your gift. I see this grace on you here. And we begin to discover who it is God has created our children to be. Even as natural parents, that really is our greatest role. And that's why in the same house, you can have a bunch of kids and every kid is different from the other. You're like, same parents, what's going on? Well, when, when the parents realize that actually God created my child with a purpose. And, and my job, my goal is to see that and to, just to, to be a cheerleader. And I understand that. Part of that, part of identity is also, is, is there is a directing factor to that. And that's something else that happens in family. That's another reason why we need mothers and fathers in our lives. You know, so in other words, it isn't like a free-for-all tribe where we just kind of get our own ideas and we go, well, this is who I am, I'm doing this. Family includes submitting one to another. And that, and that, and that you, and that so like this, the most secure identity in other words, you get it from God, but it's confirmed through his body. You see what I'm saying? And it's, and it's the same with the love of God. You, you, don't, you, don't get your, you don't necessarily get filled up at your core level by, from, from humans. It's the love of God that fills me. However, you'll never know the love of God the way he desires for you to know it until you also know it through his people. Amen? It's how God's designed it. And so, so really, identity 
So I just have this goal, like as as the body of Christ and as a spiritual house, you know, like God, God wants to raise up big people. Do you realize that you were born to be big? You were. What does it mean? Big, like, yeah, and and you were born to be big. You were born to be great. You were born with a purpose, right? And so we're going to talk a bit about that today. But I just want to talk to you from the heart. Like, one of the things, do you realize that sometimes in order for people to become great, God has to move them from where they are? Now, I don't, I don't, I know that sometimes, like, like God called Abraham because he wanted to show him a land he was going to give him. There was another part of that. Abraham's, Abram's family would have never let him become Abraham. It, it seemed like they, they may have never celebrated who it was that God was making him to be. It was like, well, we know you. Why are you so getting so big for your britches there, Abram? You know, you're going by, oh, Abraham now. Okay, he wants to change his name. You know, you know how we get, like, you know how we get with, with, you know what I'm saying? And we're all for, like, when someone's down and out, we're all for, like, the broken, we're all for, like, hey, God's made you be great. And then sometimes when that person actually begins to step into their greatness, the, the, like, you, you might be the one who was, like, you're born to be great. And then they start being great. And you're like, hey, slow down now. Who do you think you are? Just... You're getting a little too great, you know, and then we start, try- you know, the same person celebrating the down and out is now trying to limit their greatness. Isn't that funny? And, and so at some level, someone else's greatness can begin to, well, it, it's insecurity. It begins to tap an insecurity. And what's bringing those insecurities are lies. Lies like there's a limited amount of room in the kingdom. Lies like your success means that there's less available for me. Lies like when you re- release a word and it changes a bunch of people's lives or, you know, or you go, you know, you, you share your testimony. It's like, oh, great. What am I going to do now? You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, or like Andrea gets up and shares the word and like, you know, maybe Daniel was like, that was the word I was going to share. Great. What am I going to do now? She took my space. She took up my spot. I know that. I know he was just rooting on his awesome wife, but, but like, you get what I'm saying, right? How many have ever dealt with these kind of thoughts? I'm raising my hand not as an example. I've actually had these thoughts. And, and so, and so, if we, if we really are gonna, this is just kind of a from the heart talk today. If, I, I just, if we're really going to allow people to be great, then we've got to learn how to defeat that thing inside of us. That, that wants to like minimize the celebration of other people's greatness. And, and one of the keys that I have really found is to just choose to celebrate. When I feel jealousy, when it will rise up in my heart, it's just the most ugly thing. It's, uh, it's, ugh. Like whenever, you know what I mean? Like when you feel that, you're like, that's just ridiculous. It's, feel small it's shameful you know what i mean like i'm not saying that about you i'm just saying if if i feel that i'm like oh that just feels lame and and you know what when you partner with it you're stuck you're stuck until you get rid of it you're stuck how well you're still in the family you're still loved 
you still got it. You know what I'm saying? Like God's still working on your behalf. But, but, but for me to step into the greatness that God has called me to walk in, I've, I've got to be able to celebrate the greatness of others. And because here's the thing. It's what it is, is when, when God begins to do something powerful in Reuben's life, you know, let's just say whatever it may be, then then when I begin to celebrate that, you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm, I'm not making it about myself or about Reuben. I'm celebrating what God is doing in Reuben. And so it's not personal. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I'm like, if you think about it, when we want to limit people's greatness, you know, and you know what it is. Like, you wouldn't call it that, but you're like, you know, all of a sudden somebody's great, and all of a sudden you don't like them as much anymore. Maybe that's an overstatement, but you know what I mean, right? I, am I the only one? You know what I mean, right? You're like, all right, yeah, they're, they're all right. But I remember, like, I know all his brothers, and that guy used to be a carpenter. You know, and you start doing all this, like, reasoning that, so that you can take them down a notch. The other thing we do is, when we feel threatened by somebody's greatness, is that if they're ever vulnerable with you, and they go like, hey, will you pray for us? You know, we, we're, we're, we're facing this thing. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, they need stuff too. They're not. They're not. Just, I don't have to honor them just quite as much. We never. We don't think it. Am I? Is it, it's quiet. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. You know. You know. You know what I mean. I'm just being real, right? And and you know what the thing is is whatever we talk about, just about anybody who gets up at a, here and talks about something like this, it's or whatever you talk about, it's because God has done a work in your own life in that area. You know what I mean? And, and so that's what you have to know. But um, let's move forward. Um, and so I thought, you know, in my dream, wouldn't it be amazing? Like, because when we were coming up here, someone had a dream. They, they said, I saw you in a, it was funny, like one of my students came up to me and nobody knew anything. I hadn't told anybody that we were possibly coming up to Mountain Chapel. And uh, one of my students says, I had a dream about you last night. What was it? Well, you were you were training people in a forest in the trees, and there was like this obstacle course there, and and then there was more. There was more to the dream. There was a whole bunch more, and it was about this birth, and it was about a. It was really an amazing dream, and and um, so it was like training people in the trees, and we have trees all around us here, right? And so I know what that dream was about. But I'll tell you what, the Bible refers to you and me like trees. That he shall be, she shall be like a tree planted by the river of water that brings forth its fruit and its season. Whatever they do will prosper. Can you imagine an entire house of God's people that everyone was like a mature oak that was rooted by a stream with roots down under the river that it just doesn't matter if it rains or not, man. It's drinking, it's growing, it's strong, it's bearing fruit. And whatever you do prospers. Think about that. Wouldn't that be amazing? And I really believe that one of the keys to that is for us to be, to, one, to have the courage to say yes to God. Because for many years, for a long time, lots of the church has thought, Humility looks like me talking about how small and weak and oh, God just tolerates me. And, and I, or you know what I mean? Like, 
it's false humility. It's false humility. And then the, the counterpart is that you go the other way, you know, and, and you, can, you can kind of start boasting and taking credit for things. But where God has called us, and I find this principle all through the kingdom, is that where God has called us is this place of humble surrender, but we shine like really bright lights. And you know that the most humble place that I have found is it's like it's like when you're talking down about yourself or or whatever it you know what in some circles it's a plot always really humble you know but the re- the reality is it's a cover because when you do that you're not accountable for any greatness at all and 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 what God has called you I've found that the most humble place to live is that to believe what he has said about me, to stand in the place that he's called me to stand, to allow my light to shine, even if it even if it seems like some people are uncomfortable with it, to keep on kindness and love and humility, but I'm not going to dim this light. You know, that right there seems to me, it feels to me like the most humble place to stand. Because you know you're shining, you know you stand out, which somebody told us at one point somewhere that humble means you don't stand out, but how do you be a light to the world if you don't stand out? I think that's called putting a basket over your light. And we're, Jesus talked about that. We know, he said no one does that, is what he said about it, right? No one does that. And so, and, and so, Really to, to live out who God has called. What am I trying to say today? Permission to you. Permission to you to shine bright. To grow big. To, to, to have an impact. You don't have to be like somebody else. But you be you. The Lord said to me once, he said, an eagle has to bear his heart to fly. I never saw it that way. But an eagle, when it stands, it's just so sleek and regal, you know. But in order for it to take flight, it has to become vulnerable. That's where I was going with that. Good word. No, no, that's good. I love that. That's exactly right. Become vulnerable. The most vulnerable part of me is on display. But he flies on the heights. And that's, that's what we're called. And it feels vulnerable. But that is the place when you're, that's the place that takes secure identity. Because who says you can fly? Who says you can do that? Who says that you should be able to build that or be that? Well, God asked me to do it. God asked me to do it. I, I, I heard a young man, they, they're, they're actually down in Reading, young man who, they uh, planted a school of ministry in Fusen, Germany. And, um, and I was super excited. You could just feel God on it from the beginning. I went to their vision night because I knew some people involved in the team. And I was really excited about I just felt God on it. I wanted to go hear it. And I went. And this young man, he's remarkable. He's incredible. But I'll tell you what sank it for me. Because I didn't know him personally very well at that point. He said... He said a lot of people, because he's like 20, he was like in his early 20s, he went to start school ministry. 
And he goes, a lot of people are asking me why, why I think, people have asked me why I think that I can lead a school of ministry. And he said, I can tell you a lot of reasons why I can't. But one reason why I can't, because God has called me to do it. And I was like, oh, when he said that, I'm like, you can do it. You know, because you know that. And, and I realized, and that is that humble, vulnerable place. Where you know that people, when you show up and shine, and you're shining bright, and they go, wait a minute, I saw you like six months ago. Weren't you struggling? Yeah, praise God. But you don't have to say, I don't have to have shame about that. Because I'm just doing what my father asked. And by the way, I'm in a family. And, and they're agreeing with me. They see what God's doing in my life. So I'm covered. I'm also covered in this. I got people around me. People have my back. I'm not just doing it alone. Amen. I'm going to wrap this up. Comparison is a killer, you guys. I want to tell you this. Comparison is a killer. Remember this. Anytime you compare yourself, anytime I compare myself to somebody else, somebody loses. Somebody has to lose in a comparison. Because a comparison is finding out who measures up. And the thing is, is that I will never make a good Fenton. I'll never make a good Dave. I'll never make a good Isaac. I certainly won't make a good Sarah. You know? And, and, but, but the reality is, do you understand what I'm saying? We're horrible copies. It used to bother me when people would go, not bother me, but it just, I didn't understand Years ago when people go, I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. You know, you ever heard people say that? I'm God's favorite. And I'm like, I get it. I know. I know he loves you. I, I get that. But you know he doesn't really love any, like he doesn't love you more, right? You know that, right? I just remember like thinking this practical thought. And then I realized one day, I am his favorite. I'm his favorite. I am his favorite. I am God's favorite. You know why? Because I'm the only one of me he has. That, and, and so in, in, if you realize that the uniqueness that you and I are each created with, that each one designed by the Father for a purpose to fill a place that nobody can fill like you can. Do you realize that if, I, if, if, if you and I don't live out what, if we don't, if we don't attain the thing for which Christ laid a hold of you and me, do you realize that no one will ever do it the way you can? So, uh, we, we talked about having shirts made once that says, um, you can't love God like I can. It'd be a great conversation starter. And if you wanted to make it easy on people, you could put on the back, I can't love God like you can. Because the fact is, I have something to give to God that if I don't give it to him, he'll never, ever have it. Because I'm the only one of me he's ever made, and he's never, ever going to make another one. And so, it, so, so this is how, from God's perspective, we actually are all his favorite. Not like... You're special like everyone else, which means no one's special. It but means means like you are special like everyone else is special because there's only one of you. And so that God's relationship with you as your father is so personal that when he looks at you, there's nobody else. 
When he looks at you, just you, when it's just intimacy between you and him, he looks at you and he says, you're my favorite. Because I'm like, I do, I have a favorite Josh, I have a favorite Caitlin, I have a favorite Chelsea, I have a favorite Molly, and, and I don't expect any of them to be like each other. It is a good thing. And so let me read this message out of first, uh, Second Corinthians 10, 12, out of the Message Bible. It says, um, we're not understand putting ourselves in a league with those who boast um, that, that they're our superiors. We wouldn't dare to do that. But in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. What it says is when they compare themselves by themselves and judge, when they compare, when they judge themselves by themselves and compare themselves with, with themselves, they are without understanding. Now, you can understand that verse as one, when you use yourself as a standard, you're missing the whole point. But also, on a human level, when I measure myself by another person, other than Christ himself, somebody has to lose that competition. It's either going to be me, which is a bummer, because then I feel not good enough, or it's going to be them, which makes me a Pharisee with, with relative righteousness. Oh, I thank you, God, that I'm not like my brother. You know, you know that, oh, that story is like, oh, man, it's so painful. But when we realize that really that we each have a unique identity and no one can actually compete with it. Do you realize, when, when you realize that nothing can take away your personal identity with God, your acceptance, and nothing, nothing can close the door on what God has for you and your life, except only I can. And I don't know if I can close the door. I just don't walk through it. Like, you know, like the door, the door doesn't even close. It's just that I, I, just, I just need to walk through it. And that's that beautiful place of surrender. Actually, you know, like in the kingdom, the opposite is true. When I celebrate the greatness of others, it actually creates a draft that causes other people, not only myself, but other people to be able to catch the wind and, and to step in. So when you see someone else stepping out, I'll, I'll tell you what we do. We want to celebrate them. And then we want to realize, oh, I'm so inspired by that. I'm really thankful for having the opportunity for um, to to run with with some pretty like amazing peers because I'll tell you nothing will polish off your rough edges like that and I, I don't mean like the whole thing's that I just mean if you got them it'll help you because somebody comes in I just imagine I mean I was in a room every week with like 25. Know, like 20, well, you know, it used to be 15, and then it kept growing, 20, 20 other pastors, you know, everyone, every, every human being in there is like, let me tell you this testimony, you know what I mean? It's like, I just walked in and said one word, and then all the angels of heaven showed up, everyone was healed, the whole town was saved, 
all the... I mean, you know what I mean? You just hear these testimonies and you're just like, that's awesome. You gotta, you have an opportunity in that moment. And you have to decide, is this about me or is this about God? And if this is about God, then I, then yay, God! And it, and like, I don't care who you did it to, I'm just glad you did it. And I'm gonna go one further. I'm so stoked that, that you did that through Sharon. Because I know what a joy it is to be a part of God doing something great. I know what that feels like. It doesn't make me more important. It doesn't add importance to me. It doesn't, it doesn't do any of that to me. But I'll tell you, it's pure joy. It's like, you let me be a part of that God, that miracle, that thing there. Oh, there's nothing like it. And there's more. So we break up with comparison. You know, I think we got to ask ourselves, how great is too great? And then another question, and then a better question maybe is, who decides that? Because if, if I think I do, I'm definitely wrong. You know? How great is too great? Is there limited room? No. No, there's not. And so I thought, Man, you know what my dream is? Is that people could walk into this place. It's part of it. And we already have so many big trees in this room. But like, people walk in and be like, it would just feel like a forest. Like you just walked into a room of God's great kids. And they are all like, where's the, who's lead this place? Like, look at all these oaks around here. You know, we're royalty. This is the reality. We are royal. We're a royal priesthood. We're sons and daughters of the king of all kings. It means we're royalty. You can't, you can't be born of a king and not be royal. The son of a lion is also a lion. Lions, you know what I'm saying? Lions don't give birth to Siamese. Just lions. Just more lions. <laughs> You're a lion. Would you stand with me today?